I'm Josh Liston from On The Bubble Podcast, an oral history of television fandom, part of the Gunner Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at GunnerGeekNetwork.com. Welcome to episode 198 of Better Podcasting. On this show, we talk about what turns us off of a podcast. In this week's Better Podcasting download, we talk about what turns people off of podcasts on smart speakers. And finally, in this week's Better Podback, we throw some Apple rebels under the bus. They aren't playing by Apple rules anymore. Lauren, start the show now. I'm Rebel Scum. Welcome to Better Podcasting, a show where we talk about podcast tips, tools, and best practices to help you succeed with your podcast. What makes us different? Well, just like you, we podcast purely out of the love and fun of it. Podcasting is our hobby, and we recognize that it's yours too. We always encourage your questions and feedback, and you can find all of our contact information at betterpodcasting.com. Here's your host for the show, Stephen John Drew and Stargate Pioneer. Yes, I am Stephen John Drew, and I am pleased to say that my boss, the legend, the star of Better Podcasting, SP, is of, of course here again this week. Yes, it is great to be back here in the studio and not have to talk about employee evaluations because it's a rough one this year. But yes, we are glad to be here with Better Podcasting and we have a great show lined up for you. It's a little bit unusual, a little bit out of the normal, but we have some good thoughts to send your way about hobby podcasting. So, Stephen. Yes, SP. We normally start the show out with a How I Save My Podcast story. We usually do. However, this week, we're not going to. And it's awkward. For those of you who have checked out the show for a while, you're saying, wow, this is a real uncomfortable, uncomfortable moment. Almost as uncomfortable as that time that I actually went and checked out the video side of the show at betterpodcasting.com and saw Steven's face. It's almost that uncomfortable. Well, The thing is, we actually wanted to purposely leave this void because we wanted to highlight that we like you to submit to us a How I Save My Podcast story. While we will occasionally dig into the ether of the internet and pull out a story and call it a How I Could Have Saved My Podcast story, the truth is the best ones are the ones that come from you, the listener and viewer, and we want you to send that in to us. What went wrong with your podcast? How did you save it? Could be something complicated. It could be simple. Could be a matter of I paid Stargate Pioneer his $30,000 consulting fee for him to fix it. Whatever it is, tell us how did you save your podcast? And we like to share. And it's not to out you as having problems. It's to help you help others. It's all about the learning, the communal learning here on Better Podcasting. And we want to help you learn. So yes, we know that you've saved your podcast. So get us your stories at BetterPod on Twitter. You can get us on our Discord server, gunnageek.com slash Discord, or you can email them to us at podcast at betterpodcasting.com. Better Podcasting began because we wanted to help people make their podcast better. That's the truth. That was way back in 2014. Obviously, over the years, we've tried to provide a variety of tips, suggestions, recommendations, and things we think are best practices to help hobbyists make their show better. Now, over the years, we've had the opportunity to engage with others on things that they think are good for podcasts as well, but also some things that they just can't tolerate on podcasts. In fact, we've actually had some discussions such as these on our Discord server. Although the nature of this conversation could potentially be negative, we still have a little fun with it because we think that there are some really good takeaways to be had from these conversations. After all, if you're looking to help grow your show, what's the one thing you don't want to hear? People are leaving your show. So by participating in these conversations, you can get an idea of the things that personally drive certain individuals away from podcasts. 
While you'll never appease everyone, it can still be helpful, especially if you hear many people saying the same thing that drives them away. We've often been asked what sorts of things are showstoppers for us personally, and today we're going to answer that question. We're going to go through some of the things that are personally showstoppers for us, and we may not always agree between Stephen and I. These are things that we turn off the podcast right away, and it won't be in any particular order. We haven't prioritized them that way. So after that, we'll go through some things that we've heard people say are showstoppers for them and some reasons why they're not showstoppers for us as listeners. Stephen, I'm going to let you be the first one to say what your first thing is that you just can't stand about podcasts. All right. Number one, this this is like the sole turnoff. And I know we said we're not going to go in any particular order, but if I pull up a podcast and I hear a guy named Steven Jondron and I'm out, I'm done, gone, shut off immediately. That's that's where it's at. It's usually my general criteria right there. <laughs> no, kidding aside, actually, um, my biggest thing that I'll shut off a podcast for is a volume imbalance or a volume issue in general. And the reason why is because I generally listen to podcasts in two main places. This is not live streams. Actual podcasts, it's either in the car or while I'm mowing my lawn during the lawn mowing season. Now, if I'm having to constantly adjust the volume up and down while I'm driving, this is dangerous and I'm not going to do it. I won't listen. There's been lots of times where I've been in the middle of a show and then all of a sudden something has happened where it's been up and down. I'll turn on the FM radio because it's just a simple button as I'm driving to switch over to that. I shut off the podcast and then mowing the lawn, generally got the volume turned right up, cranked right up. And so if suddenly somebody is lower down in volume, now I can't hear them. So I'm like, it's looking really weird as I go through and I'm mowing my lawn. And then I stop for a minute and shut off the mower while I try to hear what they're saying. And then I continue. My neighbors just laugh. So those are generally the two places that I listen to podcasts. And so volume imbalance, volume issues are completely, completely out for me. And so if you're doing a podcast, my suggestion is pay attention to the volume, the perceived volume, the luffs, if you've ever heard of that, because that makes a difference. You want your hosts to have the same perceived loudness. It's very important. And depending on the voice, you might actually have some difference between hosts and the actual gain of their track, but the perceived volume will end up being the same. Like, for example, generally SP is a little quieter on this show than me because of the fact that he's got that big, boomy voice. And next year, I think I'm starting puberty. We're all looking forward to that when your voice changes or whatever the Brady Bunch did. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> that the young people listening to this podcast have no idea what I'm talking about. Just to footstop what Steven said, one thing that is imbalanced that you might not think of is a left-right imbalance. Like I know some shows, they have one speaker that is more enunciated on one side, and then the guest is more enunciated on the other side or something like that. Just to denote there's a difference in speakers or something like that. I get why you're doing it. Most people listening to podcasts need that mono. And personally, I have an ear issue so I'm eventually going to go deaf in one of my ears. And so I like everything to be mono so I can hear it in at least one of my ears. So, yes, that is part of the audio imbalance that I would think would be bad. But I, I get why people are doing it. I just personally, I'm no way I'm out right there. Another thing that I'm out in is excessive crutch words. What are crutch words? Um. You know, uh, like my personal favorite because I do it so much. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm personally at fault with that last one. So those are examples of crutch words that people use when they can't think of what they're trying to say next. Also, crutch words could be something like a long and which could work in the sentence. But once you're in the editing bay, you're like, I could take that out. No problem. You have to watch out for these. If they are excessive, you are wasting your listener time. And honestly, sometimes you sound like you're not intelligent. I know you're probably a PhD in whatever subject that you're talking about, but I'm telling you, you don't sound intelligent. And that's one of the problems when we interview guests, Stephen, when we're 
talking to somebody that is the subject matter expert on whatever we're interviewing them, they are not the subject matter expert for communication. Maybe the, maybe they are, but for the most part, they're not. So they're going to use a lot of those crutch words. So it's up to you to make them sound intelligent as well as make sure your listener doesn't depart. So when you start out podcasting yourself, the odds are you won't be a trained broadcaster as a hobby podcaster. If you're a professional podcaster, odds are you have some sort of communications training or experience. In that case, as I mentioned with the guest, editing is your friend. A long-term hobby podcaster, though, you should try to eliminate those crutch words. Listen back to what you were saying. Listen back to what makes it through the editing and try to eliminate that. Either way, through editing or experience, your show should not be excessive with crutch words. If your show does have an abundance of them, I will stop listening. As I mentioned before, it wastes my time. It ruins the flow of thought for me as a listener. and Crutch words will get me to stop listening to your show. The next thing that I've got on my list here is low bit rate. Yes, this is something that actually I'll instantly shut off a show if the bit bit rate is very, very low. Now, I'm talking about the overall file compression is essentially what it turns out to be. And I hear that. I've actually gotten disagreements with people before over what is hearable and what is not. And maybe it's because I never went to a lot of rock concert. I'm a loner. Or maybe it's because of other reasons. But I generally can hear these little nuances and things like that. And for me, pretty much a 64 kilobit per second mono uh, file is the lowest that I'll listen to. Below that, it just aggravates me. It's actually like for me, and I'm not exaggerating. It's like nails on a chalkboard for me when I hear that distorted, super compressed, low bit rate, low uh, response, whatever, you know, It's just very, very, very aggravating for me. And it just sounds super distorted, especially when there's music involved with it at some point. So if it's me and I hear that and I hear those excessive artifacts, I I shut it down. So that is something that for me is an instant showstopper. And again, I don't know what it is, but literally it's that express that same feeling that people get with nails on a chalkboard. Like I actually feel like my hairs are standing up. It irritates me. It's almost robotic, right? Yeah. When you hear that, it's it's a robotic digitized sound and it's not good, especially when you know they're recording on a good actual hardware that they're going to get good audio out of. Yeah, I I'm totally agree with you and definitely shows that are under 64 that you can tell right away and you're like, I need to not listen to the show again. Or maybe it's just a one off. So you listen to another show and get the same thing. And you're like, I'm out. Another item that will stop me listening to a podcast, it's going to be a little confrontational here. It's going to be a, a little bit, uh, the, the thing is that not everybody agrees with me here. So I'm just going to say it, excessive swearing, excessive being the key term. All right. What am I talking about? While I would prefer the content that I consume to be clean, I'm not against swearing. In fact, I even swore on Gonna Geek at least once, and Stephen had to bleep it out because Gonna Geek is now considered a clean show. But yes, I did swear on one of the Gonna Geek shows. Uh, In my personal life, I swear quite a bit. It's kind of surprising to a lot of people that listen to me on the shows because we're clean on the shows. But yeah, I I do. Uh, Stephen's actually read some of my texts, which have been pretty profane. In fact, last week, I've been swearing quite a bit in my garage as I run into issue after issue with the engine that I'm rebuilding, which is almost done, by the way. Hopefully, it'll be done by Saturday, and hopefully, I don't jinx myself by saying that right now. But just like excessive crutch words that I just talked about, excessive swearing is necessary for my understanding of the conversation and something that I would prefer not to hear. And many people differ from me on this issue, and that is okay. You can't please everybody with your podcast, and this is one of the key tones that you can't. Just realize that there will be those that, for whatever reason, you know, kids present while you're listening, in the car maybe, they are personally offended, they are language limited and just don't have that in their vocabulary, maybe that's how they grew up, I don't know. They will stop listening to your show because of that excessive profanity. Yes, profanity is one of the things that separates podcasting from broadcast radio. And it's one of the great things that you can have with podcasting. But what I'm referring to is excessive swearing. 
if you're doing an F-bomb every other word for the entire show, that will get me to turn your show off really fast. And for the record, I do listen to some Not Safe for Work podcasts. That is true. I Every week I listen to Not Safe for Work podcasts, but they don't swear every other word. They swear a few times in the episode to enunciate a point, and I'm fine with that. But I am not fine with the continual assault of swearing words in stuff that I'm trying to listen. I mostly agree with you on this, but I'll save my comments for a little section that we've got a little bit later. One thing that really drives me off the wall is excessive ad placement. This can be a total turnoff for me, especially when it means that I have to hit the skip button over and over and over and over and over and over and over. I I keep going, but I don't want you to have to hit the skip button over and over and over on this show. An example of this is actually the Conan O'Brien podcast. I actually checked out a few interviews that he did. He launched this a couple years ago, and I thought they were really good. And one of the things I really liked about it is Conan used his personal ability to really have different tones with different guests. There are some that sounded really kind of just easygoing, some that sounded more official. And I thought there were quite a, a variety of tone and quite dynamic as such. Well, the thing is, He starts off pretty much every episode with an excessive amount of ads, like a lot. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to put up with having to skip on that every time. Because again, a lot of times I'm listening in the car. And if it comes on, I don't want to have to jump over that. So I unsubscribed and took it off my podcatcher. And it's a shame because there were some good things I heard on there. I also don't like the reverse where there's excessive ads in the middle of a very interesting moment. See a lot of people do that where they're They're about to get to something good. They're actually in the middle of it, and then they go into the ad. So my personal preference is to keep ads short and sweet, sprinkle them throughout the show where they're not disrupting your flow. But that's my personal preference. I'm not actually saying that's advice because I'm a hobby podcaster. I'm not trying to help you make money, and that might not be the right business decision either. So that's for a business decision to be had if you're doing that. There's a show that I listen to every week that I've noticed have inserted ads into the middle of their show. And I all hand the producer this, that the ad placement is not just out of the blue, but it is sometimes very jarring when you're going from the completion of a thought to then somebody else picking up that thought and you have this ad in the middle. And I have recently changed most of my podcast listening to Overcast on my iPhone I've used that skip button quite a bit since I have, especially in the car on CarPlay. It's very easy to get to that that skip button and rapidly go through the ads. And sometimes I miss what they're coming out of the ad with. And I'm like, I'm okay because I don't want to go back for that ad. So just a little SP note on that as well. Another one for me that it's not a complete deal breaker, but I really question the podcasts that do this. It's when they play an entire song as their intro and outro. Now, I'm not talking about songs that have been specifically made for the podcast that have everything to do with the podcast in the lyrics, maybe. I'm talking about like mood setting songs or songs that they just like playing at the end. Sometimes I question whether or not they actually have the rights to play the song. And then I wonder if the podcast is going to be around for a while because we have heard issues of some podcasters either receiving cease and desist letters or actually uh, being submitted with a lawsuit. And we've also heard that bots are coming for that. So I worry about those shows. And is this, like I said, a deal breaker? No, but if you're playing three to five minute songs as your intro and outro, that's a little bit too much. And I'll get more into my preferences on an intro later. But I'm not talking about an audio drama setting the mood either, because I get why that is done sometimes as well. I'm talking about the Talking Head podcast or the Roundtable podcast or one of those. That's what I'm talking about, because you don't need a three minute song to intro out of that, where it clearly could be cut down inside with no lyrics over it, just music for three, five minutes. No, that's too much. I will consider leaving your show if you do that. So my next one that I have here, and I'm going to I'm going to suggest everybody really listens hard to this next point, because pretty much everything that I say is important on this show. There's never a reason not to listen to me. It's just like if you're going to listen to one of us, 
listen to me because I know a lot about podcasting. I've been li- uh, podcasting for over 10 years. And oh, let me pull up my Here document. Here we go again. Oh, Here we go again. Oh, oh, this is awkward because my next point is about excessive arrogance. Oh, that's awkward. That's super awkward. <laughs> A little bit there. No, kidding aside, like seriously, if I hear podcast hosts that come off overly arrogant or cocky through basically no character or no gimmick, it turns me off. I love it when people play it up and you can tell they're just playing it up. It's a character and there's reasons that you know that. I think that that's fun. But when they're just seriously arrogant and they come off that way, I I will turn it off, especially if the arrogance is really belittling one directional to other hosts on the show. We've actually had people give us reviews on Apple Podcasts before saying they like how we bust each other's chops on here. And, you know, I think that that's what makes it fun is because we both do it. And so the listener knows that we're having a little bit of fun together and that we've given each other that approval as such because we do it back and forth. I don't like it when one person is just constantly cutting down the other. I actually stopped listening to a podcast before that was co-hosted by somebody that I knew. And I actually found that that co-host that they were with was belittling them. Every point that this person that I knew would make, the co-host would be there shooting it down in a very dismissive manner. And I actually thought that this person that I knew had very valid points. And it wasn't just because I knew them. And to me, I I unsubscribe to that because I'm like, I can't hear you get beat up every week. It really bugged me. I think I know which show you're talking about, and I understand where you're coming from on that. And I had the same thoughts. So I'm glad we had this little talk. (laughs) My next point is kind of similar to Steven's bitrate comment. It's clipping audio. And I know we're talking a lot about audio, but there are different forms of audio correctness that will stop me from listening to a podcast. Clipping audio is one. What is clipping audio? It's when somebody yells into the microphone and it distorts and you got a loud sound and it distorts because the microphone just can't hear as well as your ear and you have to dial in everything. And sometimes that includes recording at a really low level. Sometimes that includes doing some compression and post, but sometimes the recording is the recording. And if it's clipping in the recording, There's very little you can do to save it. And if you are consistently allowing your audio to be published on your show and that audio is clipping, I will no longer listen to your show. This does happen to almost every podcaster from time to time. Say you're recording with new equipment and you're just not dialed in. I get that. Say you have a guest that's just not dialed in correctly. I get that it's going to be clipping. Say you're recording in a different location, such as you're recording live from a convention floor or something like that. I get that you might be clipping because, again, you're not setting your equipment to the same levels that you might inside your studio. But for the most part, if it goes on for a long time, there's just something about that screechy audio that annoys the crap out of me. And it's borderline or full out unintelligible with what is trying to be said. Sometimes you just can't hear it. Sometimes I'm backed up and I'm like, what did, what did they say? What did they say? And I'm just not getting, and I get annoyed and then just either stop it or fast forward a couple of minutes until I get out of that. So yeah, when I hear clipping audio, I'm general for a long time on a show, I'm generally out of that show. And the last thing that I've got on my list before we go to the other side of the coin is no consideration of my time by leaving things in that could have been easily edited out. This are These are things that will turn me off right away. Now, I'm not talking about the ums or the occasional break or the occasional misspeak like I just had a second ago here. I'm talking about the big glaring things that say you don't care about my time as a podcaster. Now, there are definitely certain things that can be left in for comedic effect, such as if it's relevant to your show or it's just there because it adds some interest. But there are other things that you really, really should pull out, such as a podcaster being interrupted and having to leave the microphone momentarily. Yes, there have been actual situations and thankfully not shows that I subscribe to, but ones that people brought to my attention where a podcaster literally got up to answer the door. And then come back a little bit later. And they left it all in. They left the whole thing in. And there's other situations where someone might interrupt. 
and they have a little off mic conversation that you can't really tell what's going on. And especially if you've got a co-host, they're feeling awkward. These are things that could easily be edited out. And unless your show is just like a uh, dedicated, we do it live. This is all we put out. We only do live. Do your audience a favor and pull out those simple things. Be respectful of their time. And for me, that would be something that would just shut me right off right away if I heard that. It actually happened on my show on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. just a couple of weeks ago. Michelle, it was at the beginning of the show, and she had to take care of something inside the house. And I threw it to her, not a blind toss, but I threw it to her. I didn't notice that she had actually texted in the show chat, in the host chat that we have behind the scenes. And she said, I I need a minute. I didn't see it. I threw it to her. And she just said, I need to go take care of something for a couple of minutes. I was like, okay. So I... In the video, I switched to me, and then I just took over what she was supposed to be saying. I didn't leave it in in post, though. I took it out. It's so easy to take that stuff out. In Even if you don't edit your show normally, that is something that you should take out, both video and audio. Absolutely. Another thing that will get me to unsubscribe to your show, mostly because I can't understand what is being said, is excessive overtalk. We talked a lot about this on better podcasting over the last 190 some episodes. If I can't understand what you're saying when you're talking at the same time, I'm not going to listen to your show. Just cut it out, either record multi-track and get the voices in that you want to leave in or voice in that you want to leave in singular. And then everybody else you cut out or you just cut it out altogether because I'm not understanding what's going on. Now, once or twice an episode, I can understand, especially when everybody's exciting and they're laughing and stuff like that. I get that. But for the most part, if you're going to continue to do it over and over and over again and just put it out. And another example is say you use a product like Zencaster to record and then you have that sliding audio issue where two people start to talk at the same time and it's like somebody is precognition and they understand what is being asked before it's being asked, that's still overtalk. And it just, it bugs me. It's really easy to, well, in some cases it's very labor intensive, but it's easy to solve. So just solve it and your listener will keep coming back. Another audio issue, and I know we've talked a lot about audio, but this is another one. It's my last one, is that dreaded- I'm shocked, SP, that we're talking about things that bug us audio-wise on an audio medium. I am completely shocked shocked and concerned. Okay. The dreaded condenser echo, you know, that reverb that we've been talking about, that it sounds like you're coming from a steel or a concrete encased room. Yeah. Okay. If you're in a hotel room every once in a while and you're recording live, like Steven and I do from time to time. Yeah. We try to take out a lot of that, but we know that there's some that still leaks in. If you're not doing anything to mitigate that, If you're not trying to record in a closet, if you're not trying to use a dynamic microphone instead of condenser microphone and all you get is that reverb, no thanks, I'm out just because it bugs me. And again, sometimes it's unintelligible what you're saying. This is debatable from people just like my excessive swearing was debatable is some people actually don't mind that I'm saying as long as it's listenable, it's okay. Yeah, that's what they will say. Yes. Okay. But it just bugs me. I guess I've turned into an audiophile since I have started podcasting. Not all your listeners are going to care about that. As long as it's listenable, it's okay for them. But if it's not listenable, if you're getting clipping or if you're getting too much echo, if you're doing overtalk with one microphone around a room, yeah, no thanks. That dreaded condenser, I'm out when I hear that. Usually I'm not always good at hearing that anymore because some people are really good at post-processing it. And that's really cool to me. And quite honestly, condenser does pick up the human voice the best. So if you're able to use one correctly, then that's good. But if I'm getting that echo, ugh. Now, the last one I'm going to talk about, I guess I had some more points than Steven here, is something that, again, is debatable, and that's politics. If you have a political show, of course, you're going to be talking about politics. But if you don't have a political show, I go to podcast because I don't want to hear your political stance. I want to hear the other subject that you're talking about. And in this politically charged environment we have in the United States, 
I don't care what your side is. I'm not going to listen to it because that's not why I'm here listening to your show. And just so you know, because the environment is so politically charged, you do have a lot of people on one side and a lot of people on the other side. And as soon as you talk, start talking about your political beliefs and all of a sudden you've alienated like half your audience, a third of your audience, I don't know, 40% of your audience. And they might actually quit listening to your podcast because they hear for the first time what you really think. And they don't agree with that. And that could hurt your download numbers. So if you care about download numbers, I would try to stay away from politics unless you're a political show. That's just my two cents. And it I use podcasts as an escapism from real world stuff. And I just don't want to hear your political stuff. Other people can go ahead and listen to political stuff. That's fine. I'm just telling you from my perspective, I'm out. Now let's move on to some things that aren't deal breakers for us. Now we wanted to talk about these because of the fact that these are things that we've heard other people say are deal breakers, maybe even each other on this very episode, but they're not for us. And the reason we wanted to was sort of to highlight that there is a variety of different opinions. And perhaps just because one person is turned off of something doesn't necessarily mean that everybody is turned off of it. And I'll go ahead and kick it off here with one that is not necessarily a turnoff for me, but is something that I have heard people say a lot of times is a turnoff for them. And it's excessive yammering up front. There's a lot of consultants out there that say you need to go ahead, get right to the point right away. People will stop listening if you don't get there. Well, for me personally, I like to get to know the host a little bit. I want to feel a little personality and I want to feel like I've got a connection with them. And that's really only achieved over a certain period of time. And you sometimes never feel that personal feeling if you don't have a little bit of personality injected into the show. And so with a lot of yammering up front, definitely can turn people off. I prefer not to have it. But if it's there, I'll just skip through it a little bit if it's if it is quite a lot. Um, if it's going to take up half your show now, that's like way past excessive. But if it's like a few minutes versus, you know, a few seconds, I'm okay. I'm okay. And if I don't want to hear it that time, I'll just skip ahead a little bit. And so absolutely excessive yammering up front is not something that instantly turns me off. The beginning of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. we specifically crafted to have just a little bit of that back and forth in there. And then we move on with the rest of the show. You might get some personal stuff later and there's outtakes on just about every show and there's personal stuff there in the outtakes. So if you want to listen to that, go ahead. But yeah, I'm right there with you. The excessive yammering to some people is actually bonding me with the hosts. So I kind of like that. I'm, I'm weird that way. And another thing that I'm really okay with is inside humor, right? A lot of people say, don't go with the inside humor. Don't go with the jokes that only the hosts know about. Well, will others get it? Maybe not right away. Will they eventually enjoy it if the rest of the show is good? Yeah, probably. At least they're laughing with each other and it lets me get to know the host. So I'm okay with inside humor as long as it's not done excessively. The next one that I've got on my list, which falls right in line, in line with SP's humor talk, is immature humor. Some people say that immature humor is a turnoff for them instantly. Not for this guy here. No, I'll actually admit that one of the joys that I get in having kids is the fact that I get to dig out those fart jokes again. Like, you know, I'll admit it. I'll admit it. I like the occasional immature piece of humor. And society-wise, we have all said that it's not okay for us to have that immature humor anymore. That's what we've all agreed on, that that's the face we're supposed to have. But let's be honest, there's a lot of people that like the occasional fart joke or the occasional other immature joke. And uh, for me, it's not a turnoff. Yes, I, I don't want to hear just a bunch of frat boys sitting around telling these jokes through the whole episode. That's not what I'm looking for. But will I listen if someone does it occasionally? Yes. And I also think that it depends on the delivery on how it's done, because sometimes people will do it in sort of a deadpan manner. I think I've actually done it once or twice on this very show. And I think that it sort of helps if they just play that immature joke as like, this is the greatest thing ever, or the opposite where it's just like, what, you're not laughing at that? 
So I'm okay with the occasional immature joke on a podcast. So Stephen, what's Kermit the Frog and Jack the Ripper have in common? I'm not sure. They both have the same middle name. <sighs> Continue. More of a dad joke than immature humor. I was going to say. <laughs> okay, another thing that I will forgive a podcast for in a lot of cases, if the topic is really, really, really good. You cannot have audio issues off the wazoo, but if the topic is really, really good or the guest is really, 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 really good, then I will say, okay, I'm going to listen to your podcast. I might not listen to the rest of your show, but I might listen to that episode because I'm so interested into it. So there is something to be said about having a really good topic or guest. All right. And the last one that I've got here is one that actually uh, I said I would come back to. And it's swearing. Swearing is not actually a put off for me for podcasts. It's not an instant deal breaker. I'll say not always, because I actually agree with that, what SP said on the excessive swearing. I think that excessive swearing can really do people a disservice. A lot of times it might leave the listener feeling like you're just a young person that has no experience or that you're not uh, professional or whatever. And I, I think that excessive swearing can really do your podcast a disservice. However, swearing in general will not put me off. And I, I watch Netflix content and a lot of Netflix content does have swearing in it. And a lot of times it's done pretty well and I'm okay with it. And it doesn't take me out of the moment. And if anything, I think there are situations where it can make things seem a little bit more authentic if it's actually something where someone might actually drop that word when it actually would happen if, and you're watching a TV show. However... I think you really have to walk that line finely and make sure that you're not getting into that excessive category. And I'll give you an example from Netflix that was an example of that. As we know, there was a, a wonderful award-winning television show called Designated Survivor. It wasn't award-winning. It was canceled from ABC. Somehow it got... Yo, <laughs> what? You almost made me swear right there. <laughs> Somehow it got uh, a couple of seasons on ABC. And then it got saved by Netflix and it got another season. And then when Netflix came in, they went and they're like, let's add all sorts of swearing in here. And it was a political drama and it didn't make sense at all. It was really odd placement of the swearing. And for me, it was a turnoff. And that's an example of going into that excessive category where it just didn't add value. And I think that that's really important if you're going to do it, that it adds some level of value. So that was what I wanted to say about swearing is it's not always a turnoff for me. And I know a lot of comic shows do a lot of swearing because a lot of comics swear. I get that. Okay. And there are some comics that I will listen to that swear. Absolutely. And to get to your example, I'll be very interested to find out what The Expanse turns into as they've transitioned from sci-fi to Amazon Prime. And then listening to an interview with the showrunner recently, he said they've always had it in and Sci-Fi's just chosen to silence it. The mouth is still moving. They will edit out the mouth if they can, but if they can't, they will just silence the swear. And that's how they've dealt with it on Sci-Fi. So the show has always been designed with swearing in there and profanity in there. So I don't think it's going to be too excessive once it goes into Prime, but that's just an example of a uh, show that will be going one way or the other. Now, I've got three left. Steven's out. I'm sure Steven will actually comment on my final three. The first one is long intros. I know a lot of people say, just get right to the point. Just start right in. Don't do an intro at all. I love good long intros. What is long? Like a minute, maybe two minutes, but long intro, not just like five seconds. All right. It puts me in the mood to watch a TV show. It puts me in the mood to listen to a podcast. Let me put this in TV terms. I will forever remember the Game of Thrones intro. Now, I quit the show at Battle of the Bastards because it just wasn't the show for me anymore. But the intro, the music, how they crafted it with the CGI and they were building, literally building the world right in front of you. It was amazing. And it got me excited to watch each episode. And I often dislike TV shows that shorten the intro as they go on to three, four five seasons. You're like, well, nobody cares about the intro anymore. I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait, I do. Maybe I'm in the minority. I don't know. 
Heck, even Deadliest Catch no longer plays Wanted Dead or Alive at the start of their episode. I just I like how they've transitioned this last season into the episode. It's more of a intro to story sort of way, which is also a great thing. But I'm missing that Wanted Dead or Alive when I'm watching the show. I do enjoy great openings. If your podcast has a well-crafted intro, I will listen to it every time and it'll just get me in the mood to listen to the show. To this day, one of the first podcasts that I listen to, I enjoy listening to the intro to that podcast. Even though the podcast is not made anymore, all the episodes are out there. I've listened to all the episodes. Every time I start a podcast, I'm like, all right, now I'm in the mood to listen to this show. I agree with you on that. Long intros are not a put off for me. And I probably should have put that on there because it is a very hot topic thing. I'll admit I'm caving. Uh, I don't necessarily agree all the time, but I'm caving and I'm shortening some intros with other things and whatnot. But uh, if I listen to a show and it's a long intro, I will definitely continue to listen. It's fine. Absolutely fine with me. No problem. Unless it's that just long music, like you said earlier. Yeah, right. It has to be a well-crafted one. It's telling me about the show. It's getting me jazzed up with the music. It's not just a whole song. Unless you know, sometimes people craft the song for the show. So I will leave that in. But if it's a nor- like Wanted Dead or Alive, I, I don't want to hear that in a podcast. Sorry. Another thing that I hear often is make sure you have show notes. Make sure you have show notes. Make sure you have show notes. If your show doesn't have show notes and I still like it, I'm going to listen to the show. I, enough said there. I Yes, show notes will help your show, but if you don't have show notes and it's a good show, I will listen to it. Some people will say, well, how do you know it's a good show? Well, because I tried it and listened to it and I got an understanding of where they're coming from. So yeah, no show notes. If it's a good show, I'll still listen to it. And the other thing kind of goes with that is bad show art. You know, a lot of people say, make sure you have good show art so you're visually appealing to the listener. Yeah, that's true. But if you have bad show art, and you still have good content, if I find your show and I listen to it, that's not going to stop me from listening to your show. It might stop me from finding your show, but it's not going to stop me from listening to your show. So those are some of the things that bug us as podcast consumers, because we also consume podcasts, and some things that don't bug us, but might bug others. So we hope today that helped you think a little bit about your show, some things that you might see, and at least consider whether you want to keep them in or not. You have to make the decision that's best for your show. You're the one that knows best. And if some of these things are new to you, it might be worth having that sort of inner dialogue as you consider whether you want to remove it from your show or keep it in. And if you're going to keep it in, think about why am I keeping it in? Because that's the question. Does it add any purpose to your show? And hopefully that will just help you a little bit craft your show. If you are listening to this and you have something that will turn you off from our show or something that we've said that will not turn you off for a show, please let us know. Get a hold of us at our communication means podcast at betterpodcasting.com. You can get us on Twitter at betterpod or you can get us at our Discord server at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. Welcome to this week's Better Podcasting download. Truth be told, this is a better podcasting download that we've been putting off for a couple of weeks. This is one that we wanted to talk about a couple of weeks ago, but SP had that whole um, Libsyn IAB metrics thing that he uh, came across on short notice, as he admitted uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we wanted to cover that and we didn't exactly plan on the follow up last week either. So we're here coming back to this. So it is a few weeks old, but we still wanted to mention it on the show in case you haven't heard about this, because we think there is value with keeping your finger on the pulse with these sort of things. And we've got some information here about smart speakers and a article on why the podcasts aren't doing well on smart speakers. So we absolutely hope that this plethora of information will help you. So Steve Goldstein over at Amplify Media was able to encapsulate some of a panel from Podcast Movement. And he is the CEO of Amplified Media, by the way. And he wanted to say what the takeaways were from smart speakers and podcasts, which is a continual subject of debate. Now, smart speakers are relatively new. We use them between Stephen and I for a lot of uses in our house. Smart 
homes and smart devices and the control of them is one. But also another side effect is that you can listen to audio. I have daily news scripts that run with my A word device that I enjoy listening to every morning. I don't actually get to listen to them every morning because sometimes I'm rushed and have to get out the door, but they're part of my morning routine. Well, if you have a flash briefing, that's one thing that's under 10 minutes, kind of sort of towards two to five minutes. But if you actually have an app for your show on smart speakers and or are thinking of developing one, we wanted to get this information out to you. So basically what they're saying is podcasts aren't doing all that well on smart speakers. There's a lot of reasons why this was a panel that had. Will Mayo, who is the founder of Spoken Layer, not Smoken Layer, I'm sorry there. Uh, Brett Kinesia, founder of VoiceBot. James Derby, chief strategy officer for Federated Media. And Rachel Badish, who's the VP of product at AudioBurst. And there were some key takeaways in there, which we wanted to make sure hobby podcasters paid attention to. First of all, smart speakers are not the ideal for product discovery. I mean, anybody knows that right now. If you ask, your smart device to actually give you results for a specific podcast, you're going to be lucky if you get a podcast out of it in a lot of cases. I mean, I asked my device a couple of questions over the past week, didn't give me a right answer. And my device, it's an A-word device made by Amazon. And my device has now has that feedback feature at the end of the question, did this help you at all? And I enjoy saying no, because it does not help me, although I would enjoy the actual answer better. So obviously it's not ideal for product discovery. And some people don't understand that you can actually listen to podcasts on smart speakers. Uh, Most podcast listeners curate their listening on an app, not their smart speaker, especially since a lot of smart speakers don't have screens attached to them. They are just literally an audio interface. The skills and actions must be simple. Now, a lot of times with my flash briefings, I can't fast forward the device because it doesn't have that in the flash briefing. Uh, So that's my personal experience with it. Invocations must be memorable. If you're limiting the voice commands to a certain set of voice commands, then you have to remember what those are. Usually, and I've noted this to be true unless you had your personal app, TuneIn is the default engine for podcasts on smart speakers. Uh, Short audio is definitely having a moment. They're saying, I will say that smart speakers are great for that news delivery in the morning. If you're getting ready, if you're shaving, if you're doing stuff in the kitchen, you want to listen to stuff more than watch stuff most of the time. And I do realize that some smart speakers are coming out with smaller screens. I actually have one. Steven has one as well. Uh, Podcast tools could be better to actually insert the podcasts into the smart speakers. And then there's the question of is Google or is Amazon going to be the place where the podcasts are going to be? And right now it's kind of both. And I do know that Google syncs back and forth between if you actually have an Android device, it'll sync back and forth between that. It'll sync back and forth between Chrome browser, I think, or maybe that's the ultimate goal for Google right now. So I will say that Google is reaching out and doing something. So anyway, there's some things to think about when you're considering placing your audio on a smart speaker, particularly a podcast. I'll say right now, you're not going to get the big bang for the buck, but if you want to be there for years for discovery purposes, you should get on there as soon as possible. But as with all distribution places that are low, like 1% or less, you got to ask yourself, why are you fretting about it when you should be fretting about where people are actually listening, like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. That's where you should be looking at placing your podcast on. Yeah, and I'm kind of in that mindset there. I've mentioned it before. Uh, Pandora for me is completely irrelevant because it's an American service, but I recognize that for Americans it is relevant. Uh, Libsyn offers an easy ability to get a skill for your podcast on an Amazon Echo device. 
Given the choice between the two of them, I give zero licks about the skill. I give a little lick about Pandora because just if I'm looking at the two options, I think Pandora is going to appeal to a broader audience than uh, smart skills. So I think that we're that's where we're currently at right now. And obviously, as these things evolve and more and more people get involved with it, and there's more companies that are distributing podcasts through these, I think it might shift a little bit. We've kind of seen that with other consumption methods over the last few years. But at the moment, I don't think you're missing a ton by not being on a smart speaker. I think that if you're on like TuneIn and the other places that hook into the smart speakers, that's that's the best bet at this point. I'm interested in our listeners and if they've had any other experiences with smart speakers, maybe they're driving their entire audience via smart speakers, not a flash briefing, by the way, I'm talking about an actual podcast. There are two different things. I know some people distribute their podcasts on a flash briefing, but that's assuming that you have daily content and that your content is under 10 minutes. So that is where you're going to get the consumption And if you don't have that, then I'm interested in what you're doing to be successful on smart speakers as a hobbyist. This week on The Better Pod Back, we're going to go ahead and kick it off with a message that we got over on our Discord from the wonderful Josh Liston. And Josh Liston started a conversation, and it was the following. I've decided to start adding episode numbers back to my episode titles, colon. I simply like having them there more than I give a crap about what Apple wants. If they're good enough for Rogan, Merlin Mann, and Tom Merritt, they're good enough for me. And by the way, that was my authentic Australian accent. It sounded perfect, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree with Josh for the most part. Uh, one thing that I don't want is to have my shows kicked off Apple. I don't know if they're going to start policing that at any point in time. So I use Lipson as we've discussed the past two weeks for all of my shows. We talked about three of the shows that I host on there. And I have gone back on all those shows, taken the episode number out of the title and placed it in the metadata for Apple Podcasts. However, in the main title, which is not the Apple Podcast title, but in the main title in Lipson again, I don't know if all podcast hosting services have this available for their RSS tags, but in the main title, I still have the episode number and I do refer to episodes in terms of episode number, better podcasting is one. I can say off the top of my head, better podcasting 65. That's when we talked about self-hosting your RSS. Episode 85, I think, was the one where we had a lot of audience participation and they talked about what they wish they would have known before podcasting. I mean, I can go in and say those numbers off the top of my head. And having those for an instructional how-to podcast are great. Having those even for Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is great to refer back to. Hey, back in episode two, we're coming up in episode 300, by the way, on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. this week. Episode 200, what we did to celebrate that, we did watch the pilot episode for the first time together as a current crew. I can mention episode 200 as a episode number. And episode 300 is coming up. I can mention that as a number. So yeah, I mentioned my podcast by number. This conversation continued with Damien, the DM saying, once Apple went back and said, no, we won't actually delete your show. I started adding numbers again. It makes it easier for literally everyone but Apple. I'm even really breaking the rules. I'm using an episode code at the start of my titles. I think Damien has two different episode types on his feed, if I'm not mistaken. I think we've talked about it before. And having those codes between the episodes, like for better podcasting, it would be P and then the number. For Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., it would be L-O-S and then the number. So I get what he's doing there. Mark D. continued the conversation. He said, I just use Apple titles without numbers and normal titles with. Not a huge deal as Apple uses the episode number field to display it in their app anyway. I would say the thing that makes me the most upset is that some apps transitioning to using the Apple field without adding the episode number to their display. 
That's just obnoxious. I don't know which ones he's talking about. And if we find out, we'll let you know. Unrelated to all of this, Damien the DM asked something that we wanted to mention on here, which was, I came up with an interesting question. Is there any benefit to saving and man maintaining an archive of WAV files of episodes, especially if there is background music? That means I'd have to probably do a dot edit anyways. So I'm not sure what his exact workflow looks like because the WAV files could be in a couple of different spots. It could be a general WAV file from like the mix down if there was recorded and like a general recording of both participants together in a stereo mix. And then there was double ending and you worked with those to kind of recompile the show together. It could be talking about a WAV file of your edited thing before you convert it to MP3 to upload. I'm not sure, but I wanted to mention this because we've talked a little bit about sort of our long-term file storage and how we do these things. And we ha it's been a while, so I thought I would mention it again. For me personally, I pretty much keep the FLAC files of each individual's file that they send me. So like here we multi-track, SP records on his end, I record here. I will convert those waves to FLAC because it's better for file storage lossless audio codec. I keep that on my my computer. I keep that with the original video. And then I also keep the compiled video and the compiled MP3 and the project file. So if I ever need to go back in and get that whole editing workstation, I can do that again. So that's sort of what I keep. I discard a lot of the other stuff. Like every week, I generally record uh, a, a track on my end of SP. I don't usually keep that long term just because I, why bother? I don't cycle through SD cards like SP does, but that's pretty much my process. What's yours, SP? So I'm a data hoarder. I'll admit it. And I keep my WAV files that I record on my Zoom H6, which I think Damien uses a Zoom H6 to record, and I think he records in WAV. And so I keep those because those are my base files, both my track, the track of the incoming audio, and the third track of my soundboard. I just keep all that in the soundboard track. I keep just for rep time reference because I just want to know when the bumps are being played. It makes editing a little easier to do it that way. My co-hosts send me the files in FLAC, or they're at least they're supposed to, for ease of actually transitioning the data and transferring the data to me and as well as minimizing the storage. And I do keep the different stages. So once the file is done in Movie Studio, I will keep the Movie Studio actual file. I will keep the resultant video file that I have created, which is generally huge. We're talking gigabytes here. And then I keep the WAV file or FLAC file, depending on how I render it. And then I export that into Audacity. And I'm a little less concerned about keeping it at that point in time. I do save the Audacity files, but I don't need them. And I usually save the final MP3 file. So I have different stages that I use. And I have in the past gone back and remastered files once I have better editing processes. Uh, Starling Tribune is one to note that I have gone back and remastered that. And unfortunately, in the early days for Starling Tribune, we recorded in MP3. We did not record in WAVE. So I always regret that. But it is what it is. And that's going to go ahead and do it for this week's Better Pod Back. If you got something you want to say to us, please email us to podcast at betterpodcasting.com. You can go ahead and find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash betterpodcasting. Tweet us at betterpod or come by our Discord server at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. We'd love to have you in the Gunna Geek community over there and talk about geeky things. And we do have the Better Podcasting channel. So we hope to see you there. Big thanks to all our listeners that have interfaced with us over the past couple of weeks. I've been extremely busy doing personal things. And I know there's some emails that we have yet to respond to. Be patient. I will get to those, I promise. So that's going to go ahead and do it for another episode of Better Podcasting for episode 198. I'm Stephen John Drew saying we hope this episode helped you think a little bit about your podcast and think about people's number one pet peeve with podcasting when I'm on the show. And I hope this episode hasn't been too controversial for you. 
We'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. You can find the full back catalog of Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com. If you're into geeky podcasts, please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew of Gunna Geek Productions. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. Thanks again for listening or watching, and we hope to see you again next week.